Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Well, good afternoon. This is James Dawson on The Q, Text Requests Live podcast, coming at you guys on Facebook, Business Radio X. It is my absolute honor and privilege to have my friend Alex Lavage with me today. Um, and we're going to be talking about market research. Um, I'd like to give a little intro here. Alex, he got his start as an entrepreneur when he was 16. He launched a local classified newspaper in Oregon. And since then, he's gone to study market research at the London School of Economics incredible, and entrepreneurship at the University of Iowa, where it was um, after then the University of Iowa, where after being in property management for two years, uh, he decided he wanted to start a platform where tenants can actually pay their rent online and improve their credit score at the same time. After then spending a few years in Silicon Valley, he moved back to East Tennessee uh, where he's continued to work with startups, mostly on business development strategies. Uh, most recently, with a company we all know and love here in Chattanooga, Variable, which uh, Global Manufacturing called one of the top 10 manufacturing startups in the world in 2014 for its node sensor platform. Today, he is growing an early stage investment fund and continues to provide market research and business development consulting services for startups throughout the region while he volunteers as the entrepreneur in residence at the company lab. So Alex, it is my pleasure to get through that successfully and introduce you and have you here. And today, um, what we're going to talk about is what we would say the biggest mistake. Is that right? The biggest mistake that entrepreneurial founders are making when they're launching their startups and it's market research, right? It's market research or it's not knowing the difference between an assumption and a fact. Okay. Uh, One of my favorite quotes, I think it was Tony Robbins that said this. He said, the quality, the quantity, and the variety of our questions influences the quality of our life. Well, the same is true of your business. Unless you're asking the right questions, you know, where is the growth? Where are my customers? Where is the opportunity? And you're able to take those assumptions through a process known as market research and turn those into facts. You're always going to be going in blind into any opportunity, which as such, you're then relying on luck if you're going to be successful. Okay. And luck's not a good strategy. Luck is never a good strategy. From your standpoint, (laughs) um, I want to ask you this. When you were uh, working on your own platform, uh, what were some of the things that you did? that I guess would have been very big learning experiences to get you where you are now in this world of market research? Uh, so typically, whether it's been with a client or personal projects, you know, I'll, I'll start with a lot of client projects that I've come on board and I've seen, they have an idea in their head for who that customer is, for what that market looks like. Yeah. And then they just think that that vision is the same as a fact which it usually isn't. 
and then they just launch it. They're ready to go. They're in execution mode. Well, the challenge with that is, is that that may or may not be the right decision. Okay. And so usually what I use is this analogy of if you're going to go out and talk with one customer at a time, that's a lot like being on a pond and you're fishing. Okay. But if you really want to get a good sense of what is the entire market like and who could be those customers that you're not even realizing could be your top customers, you want a really wide fish net. So in market research, that's called doing a random sample. Okay. And there are lots of tools out there where you can create online surveys, you can do uh, you know, Google Hangouts, webinars, different techniques for getting that information to really get a sense of where the opportunities are and to whom you can be selling your idea for a product or service. Now, let me ask you this. I, <laughs> it, it's going to sound like, well, what idiot would want to keep after that? But do you believe, or in your experience, have you seen entrepreneurial founders ignore or perhaps not pursue market research because they love their idea that solves the problem that they are 100% convinced is there <laughs> and like they don't want to be told they're wrong because then what will they do? We've all had those experiences, right? Um, that's known as founder syndrome. Okay. I actually came up with another acronym for that. I call that fire, aim, ready, trash, which if you put those letters together, spells fart. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It stinks. And then you just have to leave the room and try something else. Okay. That's often, uh, I've seen that happen more often than times where you've got like a tech startup, it'll start you'll create this amazing technology, but then it's in search of a problem to solve. It never mm. really started with that in mind. Other times you've got this uh, founder syndrome that you're talking about. Well, I just think so much that this is going to work. And they just go out and they try to sell it without talking to the customer first. And lots of other examples where it can really halt and hinder the potential growth of a business so that eventually you're either going to keep going down a rabbit hole and hope that it works out, or you're going to have to hit the rewind button and go back to scratch and, and start a really sophisticated random sample survey to identify who that customer is that you need to be talking to. So you've been defining uh, primary market research. Um, and in your experience, is primary market research enough to kind of lift uh, a startup off the ground in their earlier stages? So when we talk about in market research, there's primary research and secondary market research. Primary research is any data that you're collecting on your own. Okay. So for instance, I use platforms like AYTM.com. That gives me access to 25 million respondents worldwide that I can pull anything from what's known as a directional survey, which has got about a sample size of around 300 people. Okay. I can come up with something that's statistically reliable, which is between 400 to about 1,000 people. Or if I really want to get a high resolution survey, which is going to what's going to be used by ad agencies and very large corporations, you're talking about sample sizes of a thousand or more. Okay. So when you're doing primary research, it's that kind of research. It's going out there and getting data that's not necessarily accessible to everyday sure. people. And often I say that when you're looking at secondary research, that could be industry reports, that's you know news articles about what's happening in the industry. If that's your primary source of information about your market, hate to break it to you, it's entirely possible you're too late to the game. I was going to really say disrupt uh, that potential market with an opportunity. If it's if it's something that you can find a white paper on from a reliable source, it means someone else already did the primary research. 
that someone else is already pursuing. And where they're at now is further down the road in that process. You're playing catch up. Yeah, it doesn't always mean that there's not an opportunity out there. Sure. It could be. But a startup, there are lots of factors that go into a startup success. But one of them is timing. So if you're getting into the market at the right time, you're more likely to be successful. The longer you wait, you can still get a significant market share. But your customer acquisition cost is going to continue to go up. Gotcha. So you're going to spend more money on marketing, more money on pay-per-clicks, more money on developing media for inbound marketing, all these different things. It doesn't mean that you can't do it, right? I mean, you can do anything with enough money and brute force. Sure. It just means that it's going to take longer. And the importance, just so, just so we can kind of be clear for our listener here, our viewer, um, the importance of this research is so you're not wasting time and burning through your funds. You know, you don't want to, the term trial by fire, like, yes, you are inevitably going to have pitfalls and think you're going to make the right step and have to pivot. But the point of this research is to help you avoid a lot of the potholes that you can find ahead of time, right? Um, what would be, let's use an example here um, of a company maybe you've worked with where because of market research that was done, primary market research, mm -hmm. um, perhaps you guys had to reevaluate your trajectory or perhaps pivot with whether it be a product or a service or something like that. Give me a, a, an example or a case. I would say with the last company I was with, with the variable, it mm -hmm. was it was a really interesting market research process. Um, what we had was known as a platform technology with our sensor. So what that meant was that we basically had a device that you could put different sensors on it to measure different things, connects uh, with your smartphone uh, wirelessly. And then from there, uh, mobile app developers could access what's known as an API. Yeah. In other words, develop mobile apps that could do cool things with, um, with, with this data. Um, we weren't really sure because this larger realm of what's known as the Internet of which is yes. basically just a fancy way of saying um, there's there's this vision that in the future, a lot more things in our lives are going to be connected to the Internet. Yeah. So we're like, OK, we know we're a part of that, but we don't really know where this fits in, where it could fit in. So where do we even start? So there were a lot of, of uh, you know, online surveys, getting to know mobile app developers, a lot of phone call conversations. So eventually, over time, we took close to 60 different use cases and applications and development. Okay. And we said, we want to focus on just two areas. We want to focus on color referencing and vibration analysis for preventative maintenance mm. because we had gone through that. And ultimately, that's what led uh, the company to see sales growth and, and um, some other really exciting so uh, there developments. So there were 58 other directions that could have been taken. There. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot, a lot of different directions. And, you know, and again, you just can't do this, you know, fire ready aim. Right. Um, approach. It just it just doesn't work. You've really got to, as I like to say, you got to slow down before you can speed up. Okay. And um, if 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 you take a little bit of time to really go through, you know, step by step processes that, um, like we're going to talk about discipline entrepreneurship here in a little bit. You know, there 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 are tools out there that can actually help this be a much more fun uh, experience trying to get a new business idea off the ground. For the entrepreneur, you know, you, you get invigorated with the new idea. You get yeah. invigorated with the problem you're solving. But I can only imagine the kind of high associated with digging into the market research and realizing you're right. Yeah. You're not just right, but you're right on time. Yeah. 
especially with the Internet of Things, as you're mentioning, the IoT. Um, you know, and I, I've, I've had people bring to me ideas that are really, really great, and even just some preliminary research we realize, well, that already exists. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. Right. In fact, if, if, if you have something that already exists, it's a great idea, um, just not the one you need to pursue. So in some cases, right, yeah. right, perhaps, because like yeah. you said, like the market, there might be competition, mm -hmm. there, but that doesn't mean it's oversaturated and it doesn't mean there's not room for improvement. There usually is. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there always is. For for pictures, we were we we're looking at what it was it Flickr and then Instagram. Came yeah. Along, you know, yeah. So you mentioned there being a process that you like more um, because it's like you can tell people, yeah, do research ahead of time and you can throw out some valuable resources, but then like, what's the procedure there? How does that actually play out? How do you put it into effect and use it productively? So what's an example there? Well, I would refer, you know, again, I, I brought this book here, which I'll show your viewers called Disciplined Entrepreneurship. This is by a guy named Bill Amalay. He's a lecturer at MIT Sloan. Uh, MIT has arguably got one of the best uh, entrepreneurial programs in the country. If you were to look at the total market size of all of their startups, I believe they said since 2006, you're talking like roughly a $3 trillion economy, which would make it like the 17th largest economy in the world or something. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really cool program. At the end of the day, we have, uh, so this, this process is 24 steps from everything from, you know, identify what's really your total addressable market, right? I mean, sometimes, and this is secondary research, right. but, but it takes a little bit of digging. You know, um, I had one client recently that thought that, they're, uh, that they were getting a, into a, a $67 billion a year market in the pet industry. Okay. And we broke it down and we were like, actually, it's more like $1.1 billion. Wow. And here's why. Wow. And then outside of that, we're like, okay, because we're going down, because it's, you know, they're all different types of pets. We're going to a particular type of pet. Then we're recognizing that out of the products that those consumers are buying for their pet, mm. um, only a third of them were buying anything online. And then out of that, you're looking at how much money is spent per household um, on each pet. And we realized, okay, that's about, for this particular example, and I'm under NDA, so I apologize sure. for being vague, but sure. I mean, it was that's about okay. $40 per household. And they were trying to get into sales around $360 per household, which is outside the third standard deviation. Right. So then we broke down and we said, actually, then the market size for this is you're talking about 44,000 to 70,000 households across the U.S. So suddenly, then that took down the total addressable market to, you're talking about like 20 to 30 million bucks a year. Right. So it's important to actually, you know, start off with a realistic assessment of how large is the market that you're pursuing and how are you going about thinking about that. And then from there, you can go into, um, you know, more sophisticated tools. I mean, a lot of people, you know, out there are still using SurveyGizmo, SurveyMonkey, Zoho, QuestionPro, TypeForum. They're all these, you know, online survey platforms. Right. The challenge is, is that the only thing you can do with those in most cases is what's known as a quota sample. And a quota sample right. is when you're saying, hey, I want to get certain segments of the population, you know, included in this survey, as opposed to platforms like AYTM or like Survey System is really popular with some of the top market research firms and ad agencies, where you can actually then have a random sample um, from participants 
and also pre-qualify them so that you know that in addition to it being a random sample, it could be like, for instance, household incomes, $60,000 or more, or, you know, these are so people that own smartphones, et cetera. You're able to peel back multiple levels in exactly. one foul swoop. Yeah. Um, like when you were giving the example with the pet, mm -hmm. you know, that was multiple layers that you had to get down to to actually uh, get at that target persona that they would be going after. And that's a secondary research problem, you know, right. going, going through that because, you know, no one's going to have the resources to, you know, go out and compile that kind of information. You have to rely on the National Trade Association sure. and so forth. But then when you're defining that end user segment, then that's when you can use these tools like AYTM okay. and really identify not just uh, what are the demographic criteria, right? Like what's the gender, what's the age, the income, the race, education level, employment. Uh, what's the career, the relationship status, their, their geographical location, all these criteria affect what will later become your advertising campaign, whether it's through digital advertising, inbound marketing, what have you. Yeah, and, and we, we in weeks prior, we have really talked about how intriguing some of the behavioral marketing tools are for advertisers. Yeah. Um, but that, what you're describing, is actually the bedrock of where that behavioral app. So you think, oh, we got a great marketing strategy. You got to take it back all those steps, not just to know, hey, here's a person who looked at your product. Let's look at their IP behavior. Mm -hmm. But you're taking it all the way back to like, we know this is our target. Now, what is that person doing? And how are we going to be able to deliver them valuable content? It's at the foundation. You're absolutely right. I mean, like right now, most people in marketing have heard the concept of inbound marketing. It's mm -hmm. a very powerful system for you know in the spirit of i like to say stop chasing start attracting yeah and when you're able to attract the customer to you because you're creating really good content on your website like uh, gary vaynerchuk you know says we love uh, that guy here Jeez, in, you know there uh, with vayner media in january yeah if, if you're not a media company in the 21st century you're not in business or something right. like that so creating that really good content is important but i've seen a lot of companies say, okay, we're going to invest all this money in inbound marketing, but because step one, they didn't understand who that end user persona was. They're like, well, inbound marketing isn't working. So we're going to go back to what wasn't working before. Yes. And I'm like, oh, God, no, you're missing it. You needed to take that time out just to do a survey. And even though it's going to cost a few thousand dollars to do that, at the end of the day, you got to do the cost benefit and say, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to hold my breath and wait for months and just hope this figures out? Or right. do I need to pony up a little bit of cash right. and get this data and then build an effective strategy from there? It, it all goes back to us at the very beginning saying, like, this is the biggest mistake. This is the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. uh, now, part of it is because it's in our very nature as entrepreneurs to want to go and do. Uh, we're ready to do mm -hmm. this if, if we could just pause, like this has to be the most important part of this show and the message and we'll make this the subject line on the content that we create <laughs> next sure. week. And that is that this research is foundational to then everything that follows. And if you take the time to do it, then everything that follows will be more valuable, like in the case of variable here in town, because they took the time to eliminate those 58 other and boiled it down to the two mm -hmm. sensors. Those were the ones that saw the sales skyrocket, put them in the top 10 for uh, logistics tech. You know, like th that's incredible. Yeah. Right. So that's how pivotal this is. 
Okay, so and, and I would just add to that too, when you're when you're defining who your customer is, it's not just getting a good sense of that demographic data, right? Like we were talking about their age, their income, where they live, right, their career, but also understanding what's known as psychographics. And psychographics is a way of saying what is their psychology makeup? Um, what do they think about every day? What mm. do they believe? What are their attitudes, their convictions? You know, what's their schema? Who are they voting for? Who are they voting for? You know, all of that stuff. Because that, that in turn, then affects your messaging and how you want to reach out to these people. Right. One of the other things I like about AYTM a lot is they've got a new feature called Personality Radar. With Personality Radar, because all these people are filling out other surveys, you know, while protecting their uh, identity, you know, it's, it's all anonymous, mm -hmm. you can still determine statistically uh, significant correlations between, for instance, what's their favorite type of music? What's their favorite type of food? What kind of media are they consuming? You know, what, what kind of uh, websites are they going to often? Yeah. Overlap that with the survey data that you're getting, and that gives you a whole nother layer. So that when you're thinking about how to reduce that customer acquisition cost and go after these new markets, you now, you've taken a bunch of hypotheses and you're turning them into real theories that you can then go out and test and then hopefully duplicate over time so that you can start to see that predictable sales growth in the company. With those with those theories being proven, with making it cheaper, what you're seeing is you're able to, and for some people this might freak them out, right? But what it's doing is it's giving people content in the way they want, where they want. It's all about what they want. We live in a world where you can swipe away. I don't know if it's left or right. I don't, I don't play that game, um, <laughs> but you can swipe away what you don't like. Yeah. You know, like, sure, YouTube, you make us watch ads and we don't like that. But, you know, otherwise we're swiping through. If I don't yeah. want it, I'm not going to look at it. But with this, you are ironing out where they're going to be, how they like to consume and in what format they're actually going to then digest that inbound. And how to reach them. And then ultimately, I think it's, you know, one of step 14 uh, in discipline entrepreneurship when you map out what's known as the decision-making unit, mm -hmm. right? Like when, when people go, whether to a grocery store or they're online and they're about ready to make an e-commerce decision, there's a thought process that they go through before actually clicking the buy now button. Sometimes yeah. it's cost, sometimes it's packaging, sometimes it's the way it was presented. Other cases it's because somebody introduced them to the product and so on and so forth. These are all things you, you need to figure out before hitting the go button. And investing a lot of money and so if there's one point i hope we get across today okay it's that market research is important it is always step one okay. before launching any new product any new brand any new company and to really drill in it doesn't have to be expensive mm. i am out there um providing estimates for clients here in the region for like two three four thousand dollar market research contracts that just five years ago a market research firm would have cost thirty forty fifty thousand dollars but it because continues of those to tools. get it, because of those tools continues to get better, faster, cheaper. Mm. So you know it's not anything that we need to be scared of. I think a lot of times the bootstrapped entrepreneur had this mentality, and they said, "Well, I just can't afford to do the market research, so I'm just going to go in and do it, and just right. we're just going to make it work." Right. Well, these days you don't have that excuse anymore. Mm. And and with that and that work that Alex does provide here in the Chattanooga area, you heard the costs, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so some things here for market research in the Chattanooga entrepreneurial community and resources there. I know that this is 
you're the entrepreneur in residence for the company lab. Yeah. And I know this this is it's more than just a job or something you enjoy. Like you have an absolute passion helping people figure this out. And you're one of those crazy guys that enjoys doing it. Right. So it's not a job, it's a calling. And and now I mean technically I'm a volunteer over there. So wow. I just I really love the work. I love seeing people succeed. Um, a lot, a lot of mistakes that entrepreneurs make, even small business owners make. I mean, these are predictable mistakes mm. and, you know, there is now so much research. I mean, everything from Steve Blank's, uh, the startup owner's manual to discipline entrepreneurship. There's a new book coming out. Everyone should check out startupguide.com. Okay. It should be coming out this July. I mean, the, the checklists are out there. Imagine going into a kitchen, being asked to make a gourmet meal and you don't have a recipe to look at, right? it's probably not going to turn out well. And, right. You know, or for me, I look at a recipe and it still doesn't turn out well, but whatever. You <laughs> Thanks, <know>. Tasty. <laughs> you tasty videos, <laughs> delicious gifs. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, it is step number one. If, if, if you know, you, before you chart the course, you got to map the territory. So you use the word calling. Yeah. And normally with the calling, people got to do something with it, right? So, mm -hmm. So what are you doing as you are now like, as you mentioned, volunteer basis. Yeah. Um, what are you doing now with your time and your calling here in this area? Well, one thing I wanted to announce on the show is um, if anyone's, uh, if, if this is resonating with you, and if you're saying, you know, even if you're an entrepreneur, and if you're looking at say, you know, I wish I had access to um, competitive uh, competitors, website analytics and conversion data through compete.com. Well, guess what? You get everything you need on there costs about $25,000 a year. Wow. Or what if you wanted to get on Forrester or Gartner and get access to all their market research reports and get access to an analyst that could cost you anywhere between 35 dollars to $50,000 a year. What if you wanted to do all these AYTM surveys and get all the you know added features there? Again, yeah. you're still talking thousands of dollars. I'm passionate about democratizing and demonetizing access to entrepreneurship. So that's a way of saying, how do we basically level the playing field? Yeah. So I don't care who you are, or what category you fall under. You too, not only believe in the American dream, but we're going to make that American dream real. I love it. And we don't do a, a good enough job I, I of that it. because oftentimes entrepreneurship is still a game that is only won by people who have the connections or the resources or the education. Mm. And we need to start bringing that back home so that everyone feels like they can reap the benefits of that potential prosperity. So what I'd like to propose today for the first time okay. is that we put together a campaign and put together a list. And we say, what are all these online resources for both primary and secondary research mm -hmm. that we can uh, aggregate the cost into licenses and make that available to the community at a fraction of the cost. I love it. So in the spirit of, if you looked at what inspired Carnegie to kick off public libraries across the country, it's because he recognized that having access to knowledge, having access to information helped to level the playing field. Yeah. In the 21st century, got everything online. Right. So what's what's the new campaign look like? It's about creating equal access to get access to the information, to mm. the knowledge, to the data that you need in order to make something happen. Yeah. So I'd like for us to have conversations with the public library. I'd like for us to have conversations with the university. I'd like for us to have conversations with nonprofits in town and say, how can we come together as a community 
so that we can overcome the barriers to entry to really uh, well-documented um, and, and uh, you know, thoughtful market research results. How can we level the playing field so that rather than all of us paying thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars as agencies in some cases? Yeah. How can we start to lower that cost so that everyone um, has, has a greater opportunity to access to really what is the foundation of their success for either starting a business or growing a business that they already have? Absolutely. And for Chattanooga as a community and as a place looking to draw startups and be a hub for startups. I mean, this this being a resource would only be an accelerant yeah. uh, to both startups coming on board, but more importantly, to their success. So if if that's resonating with anyone out there, send me a tweet at Alex Slavage, A-L-E-X-L-A-V-I-D-G-E. I'll tweet you back and let's get this campaign going. I want to get at least 500 signatures signed mm. at the end of three months so that we can then go up to some of these institutions and organizations and say, look, the demand is real. Yeah. These are everyday people that are now saying we need to get more access to these types of tools so that our entrepreneurs, our small businesses, and our established businesses uh, can have a more level playing field as they're developing a strategy for them to be successful. Because ultimately, success, it's not just about getting things done. It's about getting the right things done and and going in the right order. You can only do that if you're working with the right market intelligence in front of you mm. so that you can distinguish between what's an assumption and what's a fact before moving forward. Alex, man, I love it. And I love I love how we kind of have an intellectual conversation and then you get the passion going. Like you, I can tell you care. I, you care about this I love deeply. this stuff. This is, this, this is the future of America, what we're doing. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you look at, I mean, I just, I just saw a demo recently of a self-driving truck going down the interstate. What does that mean? It means the whole truck industry is going to fade away here within the next decade, two decades. Um, I, you know, last time I was in San Francisco, I saw an automated fast food chain, yep. uh, you know, prototype where the robots are flipping burgers. People are just going to go through. A robot's going to give you your food. You're going to drive out. It is up to our generation, 20, 30-somethings. We've got to get this stuff figured out. We've got to figure out one of the big competitive advantages in America is that we've got a tremendous amount of excess capital mm -hmm. and it's available for investment. And I hate to break it to us, if we're gonna go work jobs, they're gonna give us work-life balance and they're gonna allow us to pursue our potential and give back to our community and make the world a better place. Those are jobs that we're gonna have to create for ourselves. Right. Yeah. And so now is the best time for us to learn how to do that. Even if you never took a single class in business, when you were in high school or if you went to college, whatever. The good news is that Chattanooga in particular, I've lived all over the world. I have never lived in a place ever in my life where I've been around so many people who you can tell at the bottom of their heart really care. Yeah. And really want to see everyday people have a place where they can walk into, whether it's Launch Chattanooga, the Chamber, BDC, the Company Lab, you name it. Right. And have a place where someone can sit down with them and just say three simple words, four, four words. I believe in you. Mm. That's where it starts. And then it's market research. And then it's market. <laughs> I believe in you. Confidence first. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this is, again, Alex Lavage. And I am James Dawson. I want to thank everybody so much for listening in live. 
for the Business Radio X for having us on here. We will be back next week, 5 o'clock on Thursday. Till then. <laughs>